The Action Network Podcast, named Best Betting Podcast or Radio Show by the Fantasy Sports and Gaming Association, and the number one show for the invested sports fan. Winner, winner, chicken dinner! Four! You got real talent. Don't concentrate on golf. What's up, everybody, and welcome once again to the Action Network Podcast, the golf edition presented by BetMGM. As a reminder, all odds courtesy of BetMGM, the official odds provider of the Action Network Podcast. I'm Jason Sobel from Golf Bet. He is Peter Jennings from Fantasy Labs, and we are going to get to the RSM Classic very shortly, but we had a little tournament in uh, Augusta, Georgia this past weekend, Peter, called the Masters in November, uh, the first ever Masters in November, and Dustin Johnson is your champion, uh, winning by five shots. Plenty to talk about from this past week, so I guess I'll just start off with like kind of just general takeaways from uh, from watching everything this past weekend. Yeah, incredible week. Um, it's the biggest week of the year for any golf fan, and uh, wow, a lot of action out there, and uh, I really enjoyed it. I thought the the best part about it was being able to watch every shot. I mean. Gosh, can more people figure out how to make things like the Masters? I mean, I guess they're the best in the world for a reason. But, yeah, incredible tournament. And uh, shout-out to Dustin Johnson. Really cool to see. Um, deserving. Um, clearly a Hall of Famer. One of the best golfers, if not the best golfer, of this past generation. And, um, yeah, awesome to just see. I thought the biggest sign that DJ is a good guy was you know all the guys afterwards like coming up to congratulate him and i know that happens like some people say but like like so many guys have like stuck around to say like congrats to dj and um he put on a ball striking display i mean cameron smith shot in the 60s four rounds and putted the lights out like whenever someone gains that many strokes on the greens they normally won the tournament and Dustin johnson's ball striking was that good that he was still able to beat Cameron Smith uh, and beat him convincingly too yeah you sort of touched on it there and my biggest takeaway is I think that Dustin Johnson at least in my eyes and we can all sort of have our own definition of this but in my eyes he went from being really good to great and however you want to define that uh, he is an all-time great and you know we'll wait till his career is over someday 10-15 years from now to decide whether that means he's the 14th best golfer ever or the 21st best golfer ever the 28th best golf whatever it might be we'll figure that out someday we don't need to uh, decide that and debate that right now but the guy's won in every pga tour season since 2008 the guy's 24 career pga tour victories he's as dominant as anybody when he is on his a game and he's now won major championships at augusta national and oakmont which is as good a twofer as anybody who's only won two major championships. And so, uh, yeah, I thought he was uh, brilliant on the weekend. Uh, I know that sort of Dustin's one of these guys that, you know, everyone likes to, to throw the memes out there. He's, you know, he's, he's not the brightest bulb in, out there, you know, not the sharpest knife in the drawer, whatever you want to uh, talk about as far as your, you know, your cliche. But I, I maintain all the time. First of all, Dustin's got way more going on inside that head of his than he lets on. And secondly, you have to be to, to play that kind of golf. He's got a very high golf IQ, and nothing rattles him. Rory McIlroy said it. I, I thought it was a very astute comment on Friday after they played two rounds together. He was asked, you know, does Dustin's attitude, is that something that you would aspire to sometimes? He said, no, I aspire to it all the time. He said, I wish I could be like Dustin Johnson, who just goes out there and nothing seems to bother him. 
I mean, we saw on, I believe it was 13 yesterday. Uh, they don't do mud balls at Augusta National, of course, Speedy, but uh, Dottie Pepper reported there was organic matter on Dustin's ball. Now <laughs> you're sitting there thinking, there are guys who, hey, I'm trying to win the Masters here. This is the first par five on the back nine. I can go for it in two. And all of a sudden, I've got mud on my ball. This is ridiculous. I can't believe, oh, my God, I can't believe this happened to me. I'm trying to win a green jacket. And they would lose it. They would absolutely lose it. Nobody's fault, but they would lose it. Dustin Johnson kind of looks at it, grabs an iron, hits it down the fairway, knocks a wedge to 12 feet and taps in the butt and, and, and makes birdie. No big deal. Love that about DJ. Yeah, kudos to DJ. Um, so many things I loved about it. And, uh, yeah, it was really cool to see um, just his emotion and, you know, his all his team, his full team. I mean, it was awesome to see. And uh, what a great event, too. I mean, I, I thought a lot of the top players showed why they're top players. JT was in contention. Rom was in contention until the three-wood on Saturday on uh, eight. And Rory started off horribly but then showed why He's right there as one of the best golfers. I know he hasn't had his A game, but he drove the ball majestically Friday through Sunday. And, um, you know, you had other grades that we talk about all the time. We're both big Sung Jay fans. He mm -hmm. played incredible. So uh, pretty much all the top golfers played well, I guess, with the exception of Bryson, who, um, you know, it wasn't his best stuff by any stretch, had some weird things happen. But he also showed, like, hey, there's, you know, a new way to change the game. And uh, a guy that helped me out the most uh, – you know, which I thought was really cool, is Dylan Fratelli, who uh, I noticed had picked up a lot of distance, and he said he was inspired by Bryson. So, uh, you know, went to a longer driver and really gained a lot of carry distance, which was cool to see. Um, thought it was pretty predictive, given, you know, a lot of bombers did well. And, yeah, it was just an awesome, awesome tournament. And the best news is we have another Masters in April. How about that? Five months away, or like 141 days away from the next Masters, which is really cool. I want to get to Bryson in a second. I want to point out the one thing that sort of detracted a little bit from this Masters. And I spoke with a handful of people, had some people uh, tweeting at me on Twitter uh, about how, you know, this didn't feel like a real Masters. Okay, I get the no patrons thing. Uh, you know, hey, we all want patrons. We, we want fans at golf tournaments. Be awesome. But it just can't happen right now. We, we understand. I mean, I hope everyone understands how and why this is going on right now. So that's the first part. The second part is, look, it, it's just not going to be the same golf course in November as it is in April, and especially in a wet November. And we were seeing balls basically like stopping their ball marks on the greens at Augusta National. That sub-air system, I'm sure they had it going overnight and trying to suck all the moisture out, but uh, those greens were really soft, remained really soft throughout the weekend. And so what we got was Dustin Johnson setting a – a tournament scoring record. We got Cameron Smith, as you mentioned, the first player ever to shoot four rounds in the 60s. We got the lowest field scoring average in the history of the Masters. I know some people want to put an asterisk on it. I, I just feel like, hey, at some point, you're, you're going to look in the record books and you're going to see 2020 next to a lot of these records. And you're going to go, oh, that, that was the 2021. I, I get it. So I, I don't feel like we need an asterisk on anything. It's just, hey, weird year. Here you go. Uh, does that make sense to you? Of course it makes sense. I mean, definitely not an asterisk. The, all the best players played the same course. So they all, you know, the best player for the week one, Dustin was clearly the best player by a large mm -hmm. margin. And yeah, the scoring records and some of the stuff was different. And you notice too, like November, you know, the Masters is like the most pristine 
golf course in the world or right there with, you know, with anything in terms of conditions and the other stuff around the greens, you can kind of tell that, you know, it's just a, it's a trickier time and they had a bunch of moisture. They had to deal with a ton of rain on Thursday that actually delayed. Uh, I mean, it started, it started, you know, a couple guys got a couple shots up, but uh, you know, delayed the masters and yeah. Yeah, they were just fighting some of the conditions in the darkness. Um, so it's played in April for a reason. That's when the course can really show off and, um, it's going to be awesome to watch, but I, I did really enjoy it. And it was cool to see kind of the fall colors and it's, uh, it's been a weird year, but yeah, thankfully we got it. I mean, uh, you know, in April, I would have been worried that we even had a master's this year. Exactly. Right. So like very thankful we, that we had it. Exactly. That was the alternative was, Hey, you didn't like how soft Augusta national was. Okay. The alternative was we don't play it at all. So I, I would take playing the masters on a softer golf course in November over not playing the masters whatsoever i like what you said about the golf course there too uh i don't like to give him too much credit but alan shipnuck from golf.com had a really good tweet the other day that i completely agree with he said you know augusta national i I get it in april the way we see it every year it's perfect but you know what i kind of like it in november it it looks like a golf course it's beaten up a little bit it's not supposed to be a museum and i thought that was really well said um so so i like that i want to get to bryson as well i think there are some people condemning bryson uh partially they're correct that uh, Bryson who likes being the smartest guy in the room who's honest to a fault and, and I don't say that about most guys because I like honesty but he's honest to a fault saying you know hey this should be a par 67 for me and then opening himself up to all sorts of criticism when he shoots 18 over that par 67 score uh, that said there are a lot of people who are trying to draw some sort of line from hey Bryson is bulked up and he's swinging as hard as he can and he's hitting it further and he finished behind Bernhard Langer. Therefore, what Bryson is doing is not working and obviously he's not the golfer. That I, it, just, it doesn't make any sense. The guy's two months removed from winning a U.S. Open. If he goes and wins one out of every three or four major championships, he's going to be a Hall of Famer in a couple of years. Yeah, and he won the U.S. Open by a huge margin with the same strategy. And look, he just wasn't on his A game. I mean, uh, his distance is a huge weapon. We saw guys who hit the farthest, mostly being at the top of the leaderboard. And it's it's something I, I think that, you know, he's, he's really pushing the game. And like I mentioned, Dylan Fratelli said he was motivated by him. And um, all these guys are looking for a little more speed and a little more distance. I mean, Rory had some ridiculous drives. I mean, he's clearly put on, uh, you know, a little bit of speed with his driver, which he was already one of the longest guys, one of the best if not you know right there with dj dj and roy have been the two best drivers of the golf ball over the last five to ten years so um yeah bryson i thought was overvalued in the markets that was one of the things that worked out um you know you talked about on the gimme betting every matchup against him and i was kind of in the same boat and um yeah dj was our you know was my favorite coming into the tournament right there with rom and i was happy to see those guys at the top so yeah bryson um We'll see what happens in April. I, I certainly think he's on to something. Like, the line he was taking on 13 when he had a great drive, I mean, he almost made an albatross. I mean, like, yeah. he, he – there's if, – if he puts it together, he can go real low. But, yeah, going out and saying, you know, my par is 67, that, that's just setting yourself up for, you know, you basically have to go out and shoot 65 every day to, like, you know, be in a good spot there or 66 or whatever. So, yeah. um, not, we'll not see. to mention – Go, telling everyone you're drinking six or seven protein shakes every day and then saying after Friday's round, yeah, my stomach hurts for some reason. I'm not sure what's going on. You're getting dizzy, I, yeah. I, come on, dude. I, I mean, I, I don't need to know everything about your diet to go, uh, you might want to cut back just a little bit. I mean, yeah. 
human beings aren't designed to like just grow that much over a short period of time. Like I get he's pushing himself to the max, but there's going to be some repercussions at some point. So we're going to play five questions in uh, just a couple of minutes. And I've got another Bryson question coming up for you. So we're going to talk some more Bryson. Uh, A couple other things I wanted to get to uh, going over this past weekend, which contender impressed you the most this weekend? And I, I, I guess really it's going to come down to two names because there were two guys tied for second place at the end of this. And, um, both of them were really impressive, but uh, Sung J.M., Cameron Smith, or was there somebody else that you thought played really well that impressed you? I mean, Cameron Smith was awesome. He uh, he got up and down from everywhere, so I don't know if there's as much signal with Cameron Smith. I I, I certainly think he's, you know, we've been on him at times and mm-hmm. um, bullish on him, but, you know, the really hot putting, uh, that's hard to, to replicate. Um, and certainly he could do it um, again, but that's why he was there. Sung J., on the other hand, First Masters, I heard he's buying a home uh, in Atlanta, uh, which, you know, that's really cool. He's been living out of a suitcase, traveling golf tournament to golf tournament. So kudos to him. And he's just such a good ball striker. And I guess the one thing that was so impressive about Sungjae, he really doesn't like to move it right to left. Like he pretty much, I mean, on per, he's exclusively hitting a fade uh, for the most part. I mean, anything that's going right to left is more of a mistake or, you know, an extreme circumstance. And he was able to just ball strike his way around that course and his short game on Sunday. I mean, outrageous. That shot he hit on 15, um, he's just such a solid player. And, I, you know, we were really bullish on him. And, um, you know, he showed up and then had a little weird stretch kind of uh, during the COVID swing to start, but has come on really strong. And I think Sungjae is going to win multiple majors and he's going to be just – he's going to be a top five, top ten name for a long time. The two things that impressed me most most about Sungjae is, first of all, he was not afraid to be aggressive. He's like, hey, I, you know, I need to make up shots on Sunday. I am going flag hunting. And if I get screwed, I get screwed. But I love the fact that he was out there playing a win. He wasn't out there just, hey, let me kind of just keep pace and be up there and get a big check and get myself back in the tournament, get a bunch of world ranking points. He, he was out there to, like, just fire at it and see if he could come from behind. So I love that. And then the other thing was what you said, his short game. I, I counted three chip-ins uh, over a three-day span, um, and there might have been some more that he made from off the green. His swing is, we all know, T to green. He's a, a really good player. His chipping game, pitching game around the green is way better than I had thought that it was. Um, I didn't give him enough credit for that short game, but he puts average uh, on a regular basis. He is going to win a lot of golf tournaments. The pitching and chipping, like – especially at that place that requires so much nuance um, and understanding. And there's so many little spots. Like he really did his homework and um, deserves a ton of credit for that performance. And yeah, he's, he is trending hard right now. Um, and, you know, yeah. we've talked about a lot of really young, good players. I mean, who would you take right now in terms of career? Uh, uh, we do this all the time, but like uh, you, yeah, you, yeah. you put Sungjae in that mix with Morikawa, Wolf and Hovland, like, those four, I mean, and there's a yeah, bunch of other I, really good young players. I throw Neiman up there too. Doc yeah. Redman's probably not on their level yet, but you know, I'm a big Doc Redman fan. Um, there's probably Will Zalatoris. I mean, there's probably a few others that we're missing. Yes. Un, the under 25 guys right now. I, I, I mean, I think you have to put Morikawa on top of the list just because he's won a major championship. But if you're trying to, and that's that's yeah, ranking them as they are right now. But if you're trying to project for the next 20 years which player's career do you most want i mean honestly i it's really easy to say him you know 24 hours after he just 
finished a co-runner up at the Masters. I have no idea. It might wind up being Victor Hovland. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's just the it's one very easy to look right in the bubble. Yeah. When you have to look outside the bubble, it's like, hey, oh, by the way, this guy's really good too. So. Yeah, Wolf just missed the cut, but, man, I'm bullish on his upside. I mean, he's got just tremendous upside. And Joachim Neiman, another guy um, who hopefully we'll see a lot of. Hopefully he's doing well with the COVID thing. So, yeah, crazy. Golf's in great place. So many good young players, and uh, it's an exciting time. Cameron Champ also was really impressive this weekend. Yes, there's the other uh, one I didn't have Absolutely. enough of him in DFS, but, man, his distance is a serious, serious weapon. He, he has so much upside. He might have more upside than – a few of those guys we just mentioned. They might be more consistent, but Champ's got like the win equity that you always talk about. Yeah, he, his A game. He can go is, out there and win any week. His A game. I mean, he went nuclear. He had like nine birdies, I think, on Sunday or something crazy. I mean, he, his yeah. A game is just off the charts. Yeah, he is really good. We're going to talk more in, by the way, in a minute because his name might come up as we talk RSM Classic, and there's actually a really good field. So we're going to get to that in a minute. The last Masters topic that I wanted to get to, based on – our picks from last week and sort of how we ranked everybody, which player most disappointed you, which player let you down? Um, someone that you had had some investment on and, and it just didn't work out last week. Whew. Um, a couple guys that let me down. I'm trying to think of what was, Oh yeah, for sure. The most expensive uh, guy that let me down was Jason day. Uh, mm, you know, I, bar- I like was like in and out waking up, because, uh, you know, it's like 4 or 5, 5 a.m., I guess, when they teed back off uh, my time, 5, 5.30. Uh, I really needed a day. would have been in great shape. Also, the cut going to minus one would have been huge for me. I was fading mm-hmm. all the guys that got through at, at even. So, Jason Day was super bullish on him coming in, um, was playing really good golf. Obviously, the back's always a little bit of concern, but uh, showed good form coming in the week previous. And, I mean, puttering around the greens, distance has the game to absolutely do well at Augusta yeah. like we've seen in the past and a, a miscut what about you yeah day, day in Hatton probably hurt a lot of people I think a lot of people were on Tyrrell Hatton this past week and he missed the cut as well uh for me it was two guys uh probably Tony Finau most um just never got it going just yeah. it seemed like he was in neutral the entire week uh, you know and for a guy with a lot of firepower you, you're just sort of expect I even once he was out of it, I was just expecting like, okay, here comes the round of 66. And it just never happened. And I don't know. And obviously him not being on TV that much. And I really didn't watch any of the, um, you know, I know you can call up your group and, and watch specific stuff, but I really didn't watch him very much. So I don't know what was going wrong, but that was not the Tony Finau that we've come to know. And the other guy was Bubba Watson. You and I were both very yep. bullish on Bubba Watson. Uh, <laughs> That top left-hander bet that I, I touted on the gimme last week I thought was a shoe-in going into Sunday. And then all of a sudden, like, Bubba shoots, I think, 78 on Sunday and uh, loses by one to Phil Mickelson. So, um, Or actually, Mike Weir. Was it Weir or Mickelson? Weir uh, we're had a decent Sunday, too. I mean, yeah, yeah, Weir, Weir well, was I mean, good. Well, well, Bubba should have gone nuclear. Yeah. yeah Bubba, Bubba, I mean, all those guys. Bubba, Finau, Day, I'm very surprised. Given that, like, the cream roast of the crop with DJ, JT, Rom. Rory even making a huge charge. You see how Rory's Thursday round, he's yeah. right in the mix. Uh, you would expect like that second tier of elite golfers to be right up there. And it wasn't really that group. I mean, I mean, Sungjae certainly is a great golfer, but coming in, I had him ranked significantly lower than those guys given uh, no history and just kind of how the course set up. But man, he played amazing. So and, and yeah, interesting after the top being four that guys. soft, you would think big hitters like Finau and Bubba Perfect set for up Finau. for them. I mean, you know, just – bang driver and then you know on the par fives bang something on the green you can hold the greens there 
uh, I saw Bubba made an eagle on, I believe it was Friday, uh, to get inside the cut line. And I was like, all right, here we go. Like, he, he can do this. And it just, again, just never really happened for him. So, um, anyway, that's, uh, we've got a little more Masters talk here because we've got our five questions that we do every week. It is my turn to ask you, Peter Jennings, you ready for the five questions? I'm, I'm stoked. Love this segment. Uh, the odds are listed right now for the Masters. So, uh, I believe right now, depending on the book, but you, it's DJ at around 8-1. to one. Then it goes to Bryson, and it's the usual suspects. It's Rom, it's Rory, it's JT, it's Brooks, it's Xander. Does anyone else sort of jump into that top five that isn't in there right now? I don't think anyone jumps in out of those. I think you named the seven. I think Xander could, could certainly move up. The thing is, we're getting to the part of the golf year where we just don't have that many tournaments. You know, there's obviously the stretch, uh, you know, in March and, and, you know, leading up. But, you know, the golf season's slowing down a little bit. So I would be shocked if it wasn't like DJ Bryson, Rom. And yeah, it's hard to imagine JT and Rory falling out of the top five. But if anyone's going to do it, I, w- I would say Xander has the most. Like if Xander goes out and wins twice or something between now and then, he would be the guy that I think could, could jump into that mix. We haven't even mentioned Tiger's name. Uh, we barely mentioned his we name. We didn't so. mention him on the pod before, and we got grief for it on Twitter. Yeah, um, uh, and I love Tiger, but hey, look, that means we're doing our job because I think a lot of people out there when they talk, they talk golf, they talk Masters, they talk anything. It's just Tiger, 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 and we are covering it from other angles and if tiger's really not got a huge betting angle either way there's probably not a whole lot of reason for us to be talking about him on here that's yeah i bet tiger against i had two bets on tiger i had Finau over tiger which ended up being a push and then i had tiger mm. over phil so i had those were the two matchups that i was on and unfortunately didn't do well with Tiger. but yeah from a betting perspective normally you could go out and fade him in a big way or tiger normally there's the tiger tax and it wasn't really the case this year yeah, yeah, absolutely crazy push with Finau, by the way. Uh, makes a 10 on the 12th hole, and then birdies five of his last six to uh, get in with a 76. Okay, uh, I'm going to do these questions out of the order that I originally had them just to, to play off of that. But uh, you have played golf with Tiger Woods before, Peter. You played with him at Riviera earlier this year in a pro-am. If you were playing with him on Sunday, would you have beaten Tiger on the 12th hole, and if so, by how many shots? <laughs> not not if I hit the same shot I hit on uh I would bet a lot of money I can make better than a 10 yeah. but in the Masters playing with Tiger it's 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 rough I, I think I can beat a 10 going into a box like what's the price of me to beat Tiger on a golf hole <laughs> probably like plus a thousand or something like that and a par three is my best chance for sure right like yes that is hands down my best chance to like it's the strokes gain philosophy the the further you are away the more differential the more disparity there is between a very good golfer and an average golfer right question number three tiger woods 2020 campaign is over he's done playing this year he's played nine events finished top 30 once the one word to best summarize tiger's 2020 campaign is blank stiff Hmm. That you know what? That works in a lot of ways. That's really good. Yeah, I mean, I, you saw it for sure at Augusta, where he's just—he's really trying to get his body right, and um, he didn't ever get the groove. And and his putter, his putter really let him down too. So I don't. But no, yeah, that was, so he can't start to practice it. I just think it's going to get harder and harder. And hopefully, I mean, twenty twenty one Masters is going to be like as good of a shot as he's going to have. I think to win one more. Yeah, He's a big I mean, dog, I, in my opinion, to win another major at this point. Big dog. I spoke with some people who were on the grounds this past weekend who told me he just he did not look good. Like, even walking around, like, sort of off the golf course, like, very cautious steps everywhere. And it's just – it didn't seem good. I 
the one I thought theme for this week from Tiger was sentimentality. He came into that Tuesday press conference. I've never seen him in a public speaking form, maybe in a one-on-one interview, maybe, you know, on the final green after he wins, but never in a press conference asking him to reminisce about a win from a year and a half earlier. Tiger started tearing up. He got choked up. It was very emotional. On Sunday, he came out wearing, a, I don't know if you noticed, but that was not coincidentally the exact same red sweater that he wore in 97 when he won for the first time. Yeah. And I'm sure that there was a reason for that. He, he seems more content, more grateful, uh, thankful for what he's done. And that's cool. I got zero yeah, he problems seemed happy with that. Too. Should. Like when he was on the course, he's laughing and like he gets some bad breaks. I mean, I, I love watching Tiger and I'm always rooting for him. He's done more for the game of golf than basically anyone. I mean, the body seemed to let him down. Question number four, true or false, Bryson DeChambeau will win a Masters someday. True. I'm, I'm still- pretty confident in that. I'm still of the mind that I think it's a second shot golf course. He needs to work on that wedge game and that iron game. I think his I, A game is super good. So I, I at some point, yeah. He'll win another U.S. Open. He'll win a PGA Championship. I, I think this is going to be the third hardest of the four majors for him. Uh, last question. Dustin Johnson will get to choose the champion's dinner, of course, next year. It might just be sandwiches because he likes those Augusta sandwiches. If or when, Peter, you win the Masters, leaving open the possibility and – what are you serving for dinner? Uh, for sure, sushi. I would do some sort of sushi and then maybe, yeah, maybe some Mexican with like a fish element to it too. And then and then a lot of desserts. I'm, I'm a sucker yeah. for, I have a sweet tooth. Key lime pie, that's a top, Ooh, that's cool. top sweet for me. Hope you're enjoying this great Action Network podcast. I want to make sure you know about the Locked On Podcast Network. Locked On has a daily podcast on your favorite team. Welcome to you, Locked On 49ers. You are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. Welcome, everybody, to the Locked On Lakers podcast. Let's go. Locked On podcasts are hosted by the local experts who know your team better than anyone and give you the inside scoop. So go to your podcast app and search Locked On, your favorite team. Subscribe to your Locked On podcast. All right. In the words of Bill Belichick, we're on to the RSM Classic. Hmm. Let's get into this thing. We're, we are at a Sea Island where um, about half the PGA Tour lives, the Sea Island Mafia, they're called. Uh, with so many guys, you know, from Harris English, I believe, is there, to Kevin Kisner, to Brian Harmon, to Zach Johnson, Stuart Sink. I, I mean, I can go on and on with all these guys that uh, live in St. Simons Island. So um, I guess the first question about this week's field, oh, by the way, there is a brigade of Europeans. I mean, you could put together just about two European Ryder Cup teams based on all the Europeans, many of them coming over from Augusta, who are playing in this week's event, making it a much deeper field than we usually see at the RSM. But the first question coming right off the Masters, Peter, is how are you valuing the players, and I believe there are 37 of them I counted up, who are coming over from Augusta? Do we like them more considering, hey, they're informed, they just played a really hard golf course, they're sort of, you know, now they get to kind of let loose a little bit and do their thing, or do we fade them more, and this is speaking in general terms, do we fade them more just based on the fact that they just had a really long week and they're all probably a little bit wiped from playing in the Masters? I think it's dynamic to the golfer, but for the most part, I'm I'm bullish on the guys who played just because the, the data point that I know backs up is that the more recently you played competitive golf, the better you're going to do. And that that's obviously a, a broad statement, but uh, 
you want guys who have played recently. Um, and okay. I know the Masters is different, so I'd love to hear your opinion. You've been around these guys. You've traveled the tour. You you talk to these guys. Um, but broadly, that will be a bump for me uh, on the golfers playing this week. That I think week. it depends on the player. I mean, you mentioned that being dynamic to the player. But um, for me, a guy like Sung J.M., Sung J.M. plays every week. Yeah, and so does. being the pressure cooker of the Masters, he's like, okay, cool. Now I'm you know, going to throw some clothes in the car and drive three and a half hours to Sea Island, and okay, let's go tee it up again. Whereas our other player, like Dylan Fratelli was in the mix all week, played really well. I can see Dylan Fratelli just kind of being like, oh, like I just I need to sleep for 48 hours. I mean, I am wiped. And that doesn't mean he can't sleep for 48 hours and then go out, play a practice round, and be ready for the first round and fresh and ready to go. But I, I think it is specific to each player. In general, yeah, I'd probably take a guy who played in the Masters over a guy who didn't play in the Masters. But um, there, there are some of you each that I like. For and some sure, of take I the guys like. who played in the Masters because those are going to be the better golfers, right? Well, okay, that's. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. If, you're, if you're comparing the same caliber of player, yeah. There's the Peter Jennings theory for this week: take the better players over the worst players. Yes, that's my theory. That. The guys who play the Masters are generally the best players in the world. So, yeah, you want them over the guys who didn't qualify for the Masters. But there's some, you know, Russell Henley. Uh, that's a great one. Doc Redman. Yeah. I mean, there's certain guys that are they're obviously right there as favorites. Uh, I, I really All right. Like. So, so let's get into this. Uh, uh, let's start talking about it. We'll start right at the top of the, uh, uh, the top tier. And the top guy in the top tier is Webb Simpson, who's got uh, two seconds and a third at this golf tournament, lost in a playoff to Tyler Duncan last year. Uh, moving down a little bit more, Sung J.M., Tommy Fleetwood, Tyrrell Hatton, Russell Henley you just mentioned. Um, who at the top of this list is uh, piquing your interest the most right now? I'm really looking at Sung Jay. Um, getting him at a you know significantly cheaper odds than Webb is interesting. I mean, I love Webb, but, man, he is priced expensive. I mean, 10 to 1 in this field, like, I get it. He's been playing great, but – Man, he's expensive. Terrell Hatton has never played the Masters well, um, you know, missing the cut. You know, bad current form, but, I mean, history is so important there that, you know, he just didn't have it. I, I think he's coming with great form. I know the guy you like, which is Harris English, uh, which I am super bullish on Harris English. He's been playing so, so, so well. Um, so I really like him. And, yeah, you know, I'm interested in Fratelli. Uh, I guess the guys that you know would fall in that range of maybe not as bullish on the just played would be like the Justin Rose, Jason Day, you know, Ustase and those guys that uh, older golfers that are coming off, you know, uh, big weeks. Um, Rose, I'm a little worried about Rose's health, to be honest. He wasn't hitting the ball as far, uh, especially on Saturday. He had, I don't know what, what happened to Justin Rose, but going to dig into that a little bit more. But uh, yeah, it's a really interesting top tier. Uh, Sungjae for sure uh, of like the top top guys, but yeah, Harris English looks like the best value to me, which I know you're on. Uh, I wasn't totally on him, although I will say that I tweeted out um, my column, and you know we're, we're recording this on Monday night. I tweeted this out a couple of hours ago, and I had a quote tweet from Mark Alcavecchia. That's why well, I thought you were on him. I saw that. Yeah, no, I did not mention Harris in the column. Doesn't mean I don't like him. I just sort of didn't really get to that and. And uh, and Calc said Harris English is going to win this week. He's got my boy E Larson on the bag, and you know he caddied for two wins for me. He's going to caddy one for English this week. And I said, Calc, thanks, I really appreciate it. And stay away. And 
uh, I need my job. Uh, I'm not trying to play golf for you. And you know, you don't have to pick golfers for me. And of course I was kidding. And if Mark Kalkovecki would like my job, he can take my job, but um, <laughs> I, I will go with his Harris English pick. I, I do like that. Uh, looking at the top, I, Webb Simpson, especially for DFS purposes, I get that he's, he's super short odds this week, but for DFS, DFS purposes, it, it, there are plenty of guys that uh, you can find a little bit deeper, and we'll get to a few of these guys because I, I like some really cheap options this week. Um, but I think you can fit Webb Simpson into some lineups, and I really like him. I, I just don't see a bad outcome. It's either going to be really good or pretty good. It's just it's not going to be bad for Webb this week. Uh, Tommy Fleetwood started to come around, and I think Fleetwood still could be pretty low-owned at this golf tournament. Could be a, a good setup for him on these two golf courses. Henley is a guy I like a lot. English, uh, Calc talked me into it. That's probably about, about it the golf at the courses? very top. I was doing some research on this, and, and I'm still trying to bake in kind of my course fit. What, what is your sense of how the courses are going to play? So we will see some pretty good scoring. There's usually a little bit wind uh, coming off the um, – coming off the water there. So, you know, I think wind is a little bit of a factor. It, it, they're ball strikers, golf courses. I look at Harbor Town as a uh, very good corollary golf course to these two. So Accuracy matters a lot. Yeah, and also if you look at Harbor Town, uh, usually the week after the Masters. So I think there's a couple of different corollaries that we can use uh, with that golf tournament, the RBC Heritage. That's helpful. I, I, I have it weighted heavily towards – accuracy guys now but uh yeah certainly gonna look into that a little bit further yeah guys good ball strikers i, I don't think distance is going to be a problem for anybody they're just over seven thousand yards par 70s um yep. but i do think that that accuracy helps ball striking obviously always helps uh speaking of ball striking let's get to this mid-tier there's a bunch of guys that i like in here starting with brian Harmon. uh brian Harmon's my favorite play on the board you can get him at 50 to 1 he's finished top 30 in his last four starts he's I got, I believe, three career top 10 finishes at Sea Island where he lives. I mean, it's just like all set up for Harmon to have a really good week. Like I said, he's my favorite outright play based on the price. Kevin Kisner is a guy that is tough not to like. Doc Redman I like because I like every week. Zach Johnson is starting to play some pretty good golf. Uh, Zach is not over the hill just yet. Uh, Zach can still do it. And then Taylor Gooch with two top five finishes in his last three starts. And then C.T. Pan coming off the share of seventh place this past week at the Masters, like both of them as well. Uh, how about some of those guys or anybody else in the mid-tier? I'm not sure I didn't mention anyone, but uh, anyone else around there that you like? No, the CT Pan call is really sharp, I think, and Harmon is someone that I've been on. I'm sure uh, we'll have a lot of exposure to him, and he was someone I was going to mention. I mentioned two other names. Uh, one guy who did burn me, who I had a lot of exposure to in DFS for the Masters, 6,300 on DraftKings was JT Poston. Um mm. Southern yeah. boy uh, playing some really, really good golf uh, previous to the Masters. Uh, disappointing uh, miscut, but wow, I like him 90 to 1 uh, on BetMGM. I think that's interesting. And then if you're going to go ball striking and you're going to go accuracy, Emiliano Grillo, um, the putter is always a concern. Always. Yeah. A concern. Great approach, 10 feet. Like, hopefully, I get a birdie here. Eh, par. Oh, next hole, same story. Next hole, same story. Next hole, he gets in a little trouble, bogey. Next hole, oh, he puts it to five feet, he's going to bounce back. Oh, par. He is brutal to sweat because he doesn't make putts, but, man, his ball striking is really good. And 100 to 1, I think he's interesting. We can make a DFS lineup this week of, like, the Peter Jennings all-star team with Griot, Connors, Neiman is a guy that doesn't make any putts. Doc Redmond has Luke not List. been putting very well. I mean, just I like Luke, Luke List. List yeah. there you go. I mean, just – 
the guy Aaron Wise. I can't believe you haven't mentioned Aaron Wise yet. But I like Aaron Wise, just not the course, not the court. And I I don't. I like Aaron Wise when distance matters a little more. Sebastian Munoz. I'm talking about guys who are like A plus ball strikers, or at least A minus ball strikers and C minus putters. I mean, you can put together a whole roster of guys where you're staring at the PGA Tour app all week, going, "Oh, cool, he's got seven feet for birdie par." Oh, I always got 12 feet for birdie. Par. Oh, come on. He's got four and a half feet for birdie. This one's got par. Okay. That's, so, that's, and, what, that's, that's exactly what, what it would be from all those guys. Um, I, I want to get down to this uh, sort of the lower tier now. There's a couple of names that I really like. Matthew Neesmith. If you go back mm-hmm. and look at his numbers, I liked him in Houston a lot. His ball striking was absolutely fantastic. Tee to green. And he, speaking of bad putters, he could not make a putt whatsoever. And uh, he was – he was pretty bad putting, but I, I'm going to take another stab at him. Uh, I think these greens should be more to his liking. He's a South Carolina guy, so uh, I'm sure he spent some time at Sea Island as well. And then maybe my favorite play in DFS this week, Peter. I've saved the, the best for last. Okay. The number one ranked amateur in the entire world, University of Georgia senior Davis Thompson, who I believe also makes his home in Sea Island, or at least nearby is priced at 6300 on DraftKings. He is the minimum price on FanDuel. And I absolutely will roster a ton of Davis Thompson this week, and I'll probably have a bunch of prop bets on him as well. you got to bet him outright 300 to 1, too. Well, yeah, I'll do that, too. I'm not I sure like he's going to win as an amateur, but I'll do it. I was going to – I actually had him listed, too, as someone uh, that I wanted to dig into. Because some of these – I mean, not some. These amateurs are so good. Like, yes. just golf across the board, everyone's getting better, and these guys are confident. Uh, as we saw at the Masters, and we've seen a lot of really good amateur play, I, I think he's interesting. Three names that, that stand out to me. Martin Laird, got a shout-out to CSU guy every time I can. <laughs> you know, coming off a win uh, in the 2020 season. Bo Hostler, someone I've been really heavy on lately. Yep. Uh, really starting to turn the corner again, showing some of the promise he initially showed when he first came out on tour. Um, and I guess I'll throw four. Hudson Swafford, I'm at least paying attention to. Um, and then, you know, there's a, there's, there's a quite a few guys, actually. The one guy I was going to mention for DFS and as a long shot that I'm not sure how I'm going to handle, but normally at this number on an accuracy course, I'd be Oliver Von Taylor. Um, mm-hmm. Starting to show a little bit of form. He's playing really bad, but starting to turn it around just a little bit. And the ball striking stats are better than his results. One last one I will tell you. The guy that we usually mention when he's down there, I had a dream on Sunday morning. I woke up at one point, it got up, went back to bed, fell asleep, you know, five in the morning. I had a dream that Jonathan Vegas won the Masters. Wow. I woke up guy. and it was, I never remember my dreams. I had a vivid dream that he won the Masters. Of course, he wasn't in the Masters. So I don't know if that's some foreshadowing for down the road or if that means something for this week. Maybe I was just getting my tournaments mixed up. Uh, but I will have some Jonathan Vegas just based on my dream. I mean, I, if you, you have dream to it him. and then you don't roster him, I, you know, what are you doing? I, you know, my body's trying to give me a signal here. Uh, True story. You know, got some ESP or something. I dream about DFS a lot, and I'm sure. yeah, you remember when it's right, but it it's, it it seems it, I don't know. For me, it seems to be not not totally predictive, but certain things like it's weird. It's weird when you dream something and then it comes to fruition. I'll tell you that it's really yeah. weird when that happens. Yeah, well, if Johnny Vegas goes out and wins the Masters in April. You heard it here first, everybody. It was in my dreams. The NFL season is upon us, and our friends at BetMGM Sports are offering Action Network podcast listeners a great sign-up offer. 
Just make your first deposit using the bonus code ACTIONPOD and receive a 100% deposit match up to $500. They've got parlay bonus payouts, live betting markets, daily odds boosts, all sorts of great stuff. So download the BetMGM app today or visit BetMGM.com to sign up and use the code ACTIONPOD to double your bankroll with a 100% deposit match up to $500. As a reminder, you must be 21 or older and physically located in the great states of Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, Nevada, or West Virginia. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado and Nevada, 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey and West Virginia, or 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. Promo offer not available in Nevada. And now, back to the show. So let's get to our DFS lineup that we make every week. But first, we are extremely excited to announce the Action Pods Tournament of Champions presented by BetMGM is now live. This is a free weekly Yahoo DFS tournament specifically for our podcast listeners, and you can join by simply clicking on the link in our episode description. The top 10 finishers each week receive $1,000 worth of Action Network prizes, and the top five punch their ticket to the Wild Card Weekend Grand Finale, where they will compete for the grand prize, a Vegas trip for two, a Johnny Vegas trip for two, valued at over $5,000, courtesy of BetMGM. Again, listeners, can join this tournament Every week of the NFL regular season, just click on the link in our episode description. Peter Jennings, are you ready to make our DFS lineup? Want to be a DFS millionaire? You're just one lineup away. We're going to go nose to nose with him. And you're going to play better than you ever dreamed of. Because, God damn it, that's what I demand of you. So let's get drafting. Sounds like you have a lot of picks you like, so I'm ready to rock. Okay, I'm going first, Davis Thompson. Okay. I just fa- favorite play sixty three hundred on DraftKings. I'm just I, I was going to take him at some point. Let's just get it out of the way, and uh, we've got plenty of money to spend now. Um, but I just I, I think he's going to be a really smart play at such a low cost. Okay, well we're going to go that direction. Um, hopefully, we don't move ownership too much, Jason. Um, but if we do that, I'll, I'll mm-hmm. go with the chalk. Who, what I view as the top equity play, and I think he'll come in as like one of the top values, which is rare, not rare, but. Um, when the guy's the most expensive golfer, uh, you have to have a really high projection for them to just pop off the screen. Uh, like Dustin Johnson was kind of like that last week, and he ended up being like 60% owned in high stakes. But to me, there's just a slam dunk play in DFS from an equity perspective. He'll be in cash games. Webb Simpson, I said he was expensive from a betting perspective. He's 10 to 1. But in DraftKings, he's 11 to 2, and some days 11,000. So there's just too much equity there. And what I would say, if you're thinking about rostering Webb Simpson in tournaments, if you're going to do that, make sure the rest of your lineup's contrarian. Uh, and if you have a chalkier lineup, you like some other chalky guys, I wouldn't throw Webb Simpson in with other chalky guys. Uh, just have to be cognizant that he'll be heavily owned, but whew, he's got a lot of win equity represented in the price, and he's just too too much of a value, uh, only 200 more than, than Sungjae uh, for this week. I, I couldn't agree more. I've actually made a few lineups already where – uh, literally started with Webb and Davis Thompson just to get the the high-end guy, the low-end guy. And then you've got uh, just over 8,100 per player still to spend, and, and that's plenty of guys. That was my favorite play on the board. Brian Harmon sort of right in the middle there at 8,500. Uh, I just – I don't see him playing badly this week. Okay, I, I love Brian Harmon. I would have been on him for sure as well. So I think that's a really, really sharp pick. Um, there's a couple guys, depending on, on how you want to look at this, that I think are, are somewhat interesting. I'll go with JT Poston, though. I uh, was really encouraged by him coming in. I know he missed the cut. Ball striking wasn't horrible. And, you know, a guy who loves the, the South. So I think he's underpriced relative to his skill level for this weekend. And missing the cut 
I don't know how you feel about that, but to me, it's just like, okay, he's ready to, you know, get back. And I'm sure he got down to Sea Island early and just, it should be a good setup for him too. Yeah. I, I agree with all of that. I think missing the cut probably takes ownership. What cuts in half. Yeah. I mean, if you were going to be 10% coming off like a top 30 finish at the masters and now he's going to be 5% because he missed the cut and people are going to be like, oh, I don't know about him. He just missed the cut. So and it's not uh, like I'm, he was, it's not like Jason day missing the cut for posting. I mean, he's yeah. was longer odds and like his range of outcomes. He's missing the cut way more often. And it's not like he missed it in a horrible way. So I mentioned that I think Harbor town and the RBC heritage is a good corollary to this one. Um, and I mentioned, I like CT pan. The reason CT Pan was in the Masters and finished in seventh place this past weekend is because he won at Harbortown last year. And so I would be remiss if I did not throw CT Pan with all of those signals into the lineup right here at 7,900. Leaves me 8,800 with my guy. Fratelli was the reason I escaped the Masters week with a winning weekend. (laughs) Almost an epic weekend, especially after Saturday with how Fratelli played. It's a fickle business, though. You can't just repay him by putting him back in. I, I know. And the, the reason like I love Fratelli was the distance, which I don't think matters as much at, at this yeah. course. Co-crack, the next guy at 8,700. I know you're a Kisner guy, and I think this is a pretty good course for Kisner. I'm tempted it to is. go Kisner. He won a few um, years ago. Kisner or Redmond? I'll let you decide. Here's the deal. And for regular listeners of the podcast and readers of our content, watchers of the gimme, you guys know that I, I have been so all over Doc Redmond for the last three or four months that – I almost feel like I, I have to pull back or else I'm just being a fanboy at some point. But I look at this course once again, Bermuda Greens and a ball strikers course. I'm like, each week it seems like Doc Redmond's playing a course. I'm like, oh, I love him here. And then the next week it's like, wait, no, I really love him here. And he keeps showing up. He hasn't won yet, but he keeps playing really solid golf. I really like him at this golf just course. Just take him because you'll be tilted if you don't. All right. If we throw him in there, we're saving 800. You like that lineup? I do. Harmon, um, Pan, Poston. Redmond, Webb, Davis Thompson. Yeah, I love that. And, you know, you could go all the way up to, like, Zach Johnson if you wanted off my post and pick if you're feeling mm-hmm. bad. So there's there's ways to go, and I love that squad. Yeah, uh, that should not be duped. If that is duped, guys, we know what you're doing. We, we know you're listening. Thanks for the shout-out, and we'll all share the billions of dollars available this week. Let's, let's, let's take home all the cash. I love that idea. Uh, that's a good lineup. I like that. I can't wait for the RSM. Any any other little tips or anything on the RSM coming forward? Pay attention to the weather. Um, there's a, a little bit of a weather angle last week, uh, which got taken away to a degree by the delay. But looking at this course, um, you know, wind looks like it could be a huge factor if it does blow. So pay attention to that. And yeah, really, really nice field. And if you're a DFS golf junkie like I am, like this is one of our kind of last weeks here for a little bit. So yeah. Uh, I'm really excited for the match that's upcoming. And uh, we do have a little bit of, you know, I like Mayakova. Um, but, yeah, the Masters was amazing. And it's kind of uh, winding down here for a stretch. So, yeah. And then we're back on to full-blown super season schedule. Yeah, and then we have an off-season for like six days. And we're back to everything that we do on a regular basis. I, the one thing that I'll point out to people, as we mentioned, there are two courses at Sea Island. And so if you're playing showdown lineups, I love playing showdown lineups. If you're playing showdown – you can find a little bit of an advantage, and I, I'm not even going to pretend to analyze the two courses right now, but but you can do a little bit of research. One of them plays a little bit easier. I believe it's the one that they don't play on the weekend. And so you can stack up, if you don't want to do all six guys, stack up four or five guys uh, specifically on that easier golf course, and I think you might be able to uh, pull one over on 
some of the masses out there who are just throwing people down based on their name. So uh, I think that could be a good way to do it. Good luck with everything from the RSM Classic. Thanks so much for listening. As always, he's Peter Jennings. I'm Jason Sobel. Reminder to watch us on The Gimme every Wednesday at 8.30 p.m. Eastern time, streaming all over the place. Check Golf Bet on Twitter and Facebook for exactly when you can find that link. So thanks, everybody, for listening. Good luck with all your bets from the RSM Classic. Here's hoping you hit the green.